welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. So, we're going to revisit an idea, a thought process that I've mentioned earlier. I'm going to flesh that out a little bit, mainly because I've had some more experiences with it in church, actually. Um, Now, the fancy term, the fancy term is theological anti-Semitism. All right, now, most people have heard of anti-Semitism because, I mean, that just has that huge, please don't, you know, don't do it warning sign on it, okay? But if you don't know, it's the term used for uh, people who bash the Jewish people, faith, and so forth, all right? Israel and everything attached. Now, Theological anti-Semitism is a little more slippery. And the reason I say that is because it has to do with representations of Judaism. All right? Now, you're probably thinking right now, oh, wow, this sounds really way too crazy, way too deep. I'm not going to go here. Bear with me a second, and I will... I'll just flesh it out. I won't go 20 miles deep. It'll just be, this is the issue and this is why. Okay? So, first of all, the primary reason that the church, in general, anywhere, people who call themselves Christians should not participate in theological anti-Semitism is because basically it's arrogant and prideful and conceited, uh, which by the way, whether you're saved or not, God opposes. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob opposes that thought process and will take it out of your hide. Um, Why do I say that? Well, because Christians don't get a pass. They just don't. And you know why? Because, number one, if you believe in God, you have a relationship with Jesus, then, then you say, oh yeah, I belong to God. God disciplines those he loves. So, you have a relationship with him, he loves you. If he loves you, you're going to get it. You're going to the woodshed. And he's going to give you, you know, as just as he as he is a suitable disciplining measure and when you use arrogance and pride and aim it at his people also by the way and why don't you know people say well what do you call those people i mean our christians are his people too well yes i understand that but here's the thing um the entirety of the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, kind of centers around uh, Abraham's uh, 
uh, people uh, physically and spiritually. So, don't mean to get off track, but here's the thing. One of the big deals, one of the pinnacles of theological anti-Semitism, and basically that means people who are bashing Judaism, all right, is uh, is usually Pharisee Pharisee bashing. Okay, Pharisee bashing. Now, I'm going to mention a few points, and just uh, to kind of try to just keep it tight. Uh, let me first say that there's just not a lot of believers out there that are Judaism experts. And uh, unless a preacher has uh, studied Judaism, and a lot of them will say, well, I don't need to study Judaism, and, you know, I, I can say what I want about you. Well, okay, you can say what you want, but just, you know, but being stupid, arrogant, and ignorant is not going to help. So here's the thing. Um, the issue is, is unless you've studied Judaism and and know from their point of view kind of where they're coming from, you know, that kind of walked a mile in my shoes or moccasins or however you want to look at it, um, then nobody needs to be teeing off on uh, on Judaism. Because Jesus was a Jew. And be honest with you, I think he takes it personal. So here's the thing. There's some elements, and, and it's usually uh, uh, Pharisee bashing is probably the most, uh, the most uh, practiced theological recreation that preachers and pew-goers alike in Christian churches use. And I believe it absolutely horrifies the heart of the living God. Now, here is why, but let me show you for a second where people are grabbing this because this is like the pinnacle of it. Right? So, and and this is just this is just the 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 tip of the iceberg, but but this one is the one that people gravitate to, okay? So you you, you and it's in Matthew, it's also in Luke, but I'm going to look at Matthew because Matthew's a little more Jewish gospel, so to speak. And the kicker is the section, and we're talking about Matthew 23, that chapter, starting with verse 1. Uh, in a lot of Bibles, it'll, it'll list the, the seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. All right. Now, I'm not going to read this whole thing, because this, uh, I mean, you please, uh, you know, have a look. But let me just give you an example. It's 36 verses, so here's the thing. I'm going to start over here in uh, verse 23, or excuse me, chapter 23, uh, verse 13. And uh, uh, let me switch versions here for a second, because that was KJV. KJV also just makes it sound so horrifying. But here's the thing. This is Jesus talking. So I'm starting in verse uh, 13, chapter 23, Matthew. It says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you, as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by an oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, If anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, he is bound by an oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So, whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. Um, now, I'm going to stop there and because it you know this is uh this is Jesus uh, and he's taking a strip out of these out of these guys um let's back up for a second though because uh i think it's also you know you get the, the thing is that you hear woe to you scribes pharisees and then he's just nailing them i mean just just and by that i mean he's just pinning them to the wall uh, with each thing he has to say. And it's very emotional. And you get that. Uh, now, let's back up to 23 verse 1. So, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So, do whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with a single finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in synagogues and greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. But you who are, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you all are brothers. Okay, so this is Jesus' commentary. Now, first thing I really have to say is, this is Jesus, who's a Jew, making commentary on a Jewish group. All right. On the inside, on the inside, and I've mentioned this before, it would, you know, people who grab this and run with it uh, bypass the fact that Jesus is a Jew, and this is on the inside, and yes, this group had an issue. That goes without saying. 
Um, well, I'm, well, actually, Jesus said it. There it is. It, it goes out saying because it's written in the Word. There you go. But, but the issue is to to jump in on this and run with it, and then just basically broad base uh, condemn. Uh, this entire sect, as well as the Jewish people, is is just nutty. And he, and think about it like this: What if? And I'm not a Mason, but what if I just walked into the Masons some one day, just burst in there, and just started telling them everything they did wrong? You know, you guys do this and this and this and this, and you're not doing this right, this right, this right, this right. Well. First of all, they would throw me out, probably with police cuffs on. Mainly because, uh, how am I supposed to know what they do if I'm not a Mason? Uh, now, it's a little bit different situation, but the uh, but you get the idea. Now, if a Mason on the inside says, Look, you guys are doing da 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 and that's all messed up. It's a whole different ballgame. Now, in Jesus' day, several things are important to know, especially about the Pharisees. Number one is this. There, were, there, were, there, were, there was not one Judaism. There were many Judaisms. So, very, uh, a whole bunch of different interpretations of how things were supposed to go. Now, there were two very big schools in Jesus' day. There was the school of Shammai and the school of Hallel. Shammai was considered very conservative. Now, by conservative, I mean strict, strict, that guy. I mean, he would not give you breathing room. Uh, he was very respected, though, and in some circles, still very respected. Many of many of the things he had to say, are you know, uh, and the other thing is, uh, Hillel was a little bit more on the on the what would be considered liberal side. Um, in that he believed in a live and let live type scenario that hey the guidance of god was not just just rote kind of do you know check mark you know you're not checking boxes it's about living the life all right so there's two very distinct schools and they were very very important both but in jesus's day the school of shammai was in its ascendancy, which means it was way bigger, way stronger than Hillel at that time. So, uh, the fact that you had a group of Pharisees that were hyper-critical, and by the way, uh, when when Jesus mentions, you know, you widen your phylacteries and lengthen your tassels, if you get the book called Every Day and the, the Every Man's Talmud, there is a section in there where in Judaism they basically call foul on themselves in some ways. And they make mention of of things that certain people are doing to bring attention to themselves, and they and they condemn it. 
so it's unfair uh, to take this one group and then just run them to the rails all the way around the block. Because they're Pharisees, and it's unfair, you see. <laughs> I made that up myself. So anyway, the other thing that people miss out on, okay, when they're looking at this, at this particular situation, is number one, the Pharisees started in the intertestamental period, all right? And that's, quote-unquote, the 400 silent years between the Old and the New Testament. The synagogue system, by the way, started in the same kind of venue. Now, we don't, you know, most Protestant, most Christians don't even look at that because, you know, we think God shut his eyes and then, and then left and went on vacation and came back 400 years later. Um, now, this group is really hard to, to uh, nail down the origins of because there were so many things going on in the 400 years in between, not the least of which was Jewish nationalism. Now, why does that come in, into play? What is nationalism? Nationalism is just being super, super proud of your people and your country. I mean, just just patriot extreme. The the you know nowadays they would paint the flag you know the their flag on their bodies. I mean, they were really, really, really into. Being Israeli, being Jewish, and because of that, uh, their their group had uh, grown to the point where they said, "Look, we are going to take the word of God serious, super serious." Now, obviously, these guys that Jesus is talking to were doing the little things and just checking boxes, but they weren't doing anything that would encourage uh, love of your neighbor. Let's say that. So that's why Jesus is just literally, look, you guys are doing all this stuff, and you you know you think you're getting some kind of benefit out of it, but but you're being hypocrites, basically two faced two faced. But also notice that he throws the scribes in there under the bus with this particular group of Pharisees. Um, the scribes were uh, the, supposed to be experts on the law. Why were they experts on the law? Because they copied the Old Testament so many times they memorized it. And because of that, they were given kind of a special status of, wow, you guys really know what you're talking about. Okay, so um, the uh, so nationalism was very very strong, and on top of the fact that um, they were under Roman rule, and in the past when they were under uh, rule from Syria, uh, they almost had all of their, uh, well, they did. They had their religious freedoms taken from them. Well, Rome comes in. Rome's like, okay, well, you know, you know, go ahead, and as long as you're not messing with me, you can practice your, your uh, Judaism. 
Well, they were really proud of it. So that being the case, um, nothing the matter with being proud of the Word of God, but these guys that Jesus is addressing were proud of themselves, and that's a little bit different. Now, why does all this matter? Why do, you know why does this affect the price of rice in China? Why in the world do I even care about this? Because when you're looking at Judaism and you're looking at the Pharisees, what people don't understand is this. When Jerusalem was absolutely destroyed after the second uh, Jewish rebellion, the Bar Kokhba rebellion, Basically, uh, I mean, everyone is thrown out. The only group that made it through were the Pharisees. Specifically, there was Rabbi Akiva and Johann ben Zakkai. And these two guys pull from the Pharisee division, okay? Not Sadducee. And by the way, a lot of people, and uh, not a, uh, well, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I've heard people get the Pharisees and Sadducees mixed up and they'll, they'll throw the Pharisees under the bus for something the Sadducees said. Uh, uh, someone uh, at my church made an observation about the, about the Leverite marriage type situation, which was actually the Sadducees, and then was mentioned in the Pharisees along with that. That wasn't that. that, wasn't that. So anyway, um, the issue is, is the Pharisees, they're a representation of their group, Johann ben Zakkai, as well as Rabbi Akiba, were the ones that survived. They set up shop in a place called Yavde, which uh, I'm trying to think of the modern, the modern Israeli city. It might be Tel Aviv now, uh, but I'm, I can tell you this: when they set it up, they had to iron out a whole bunch of stuff but literally they set up Judaism standardized it and rabbinic Judaism began from there all right which is by the way an ancestor of the Judaism today so when people say oh man you know, when they when they're railing on top of Pharisees and they're saying, "Oh, Pharisees are a bunch of idiots and 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 hor horrible people." And and just look at them. Just look at them. Well, in essence, what you're saying is, "Oh, well." So all the teachers that the, that the Jewish people had that they pull from um, are uh, just a bunch of hypocrites and stuff like that. Well, that's not right. I mean, it's not right. And, and it's an insult to Jewish people. And uh, to the people that hold to the to Jewish faith, uh, you know, I mean, it is. It's a, it's a huge poke in the eye. So, do Christians need to be running around doing that? 
well, I guess arrogant, uh, pride-filled Christians can do that. But again, um, I happen to believe that uh, if you got a relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you go poke in the eyes of uh, of of his people, or anyone for that matter, but, you know, uh, God's going to tell you about it. And it may be there's a lot of people out there pretty blooming miserable in their in their lives, ministerial lives, and all that stuff because of that. Don't know. Maybe an element of it. So, I only say that to say this. Jesus was a Jew. And Gentiles aren't required to be Jews. I believe in Acts, the council in Jerusalem decided that wasn't going to be a thing. I think Paul makes it very clear. But we are grafted in through the faith of Abraham, through his son Jesus. Humility and appreciation should be something we show. And we should be praying for Jewish people, Jewish country, you know, Israel, as often as we think about it, as often as we can. And there is no way, outside of a miracle of the living God, which I would love to see, we're going to heal uh, over uh, like uh, 1,500 years of anti-Semitism and black eyes that, unfortunately, the church has given uh, Jewish people. But you know what we can do? We can stop it. We can, like, stop it now. And I think everyone concerned would appreciate it. And I think it would do wonders for our spiritual love and life of the living God, of His Son Jesus, who was Jewish, and of His people if we would take a stand that way. So, with that being on the table, I want to encourage you to study and, man, go into Hebrew. Is it like English? No. But by learning the language, by learning the history and the culture, of the Jewish people, believe me, I will tell you, it has done wonders for my Bible study, and it made me feel closer to the Lord. Absolutely. So, I want to encourage you, and keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. Bless all of your efforts.